Hey, hey, we are back with another episode of Words First Marketing, the podcast where we talk about how to implement story brand for your business. We try to get beyond some of the more like basic ideas around story brand that you probably read about in the book or heard on a podcast and think, how does this apply in real life for very specific businesses? And today I am talking to Benji Albrecht. And he is a story brand guide who typically works with lawyers. And so he's got some thoughts on how to apply story brand in the context of lawyers and law firms and legal services and all that. Benji, thanks for being on the show. Yeah, absolutely, Matt. Thank you for having me. So give us, give us a little bit of your background and why should anybody listen to what you have to say when it comes to marketing and story brand and all that stuff? What's your, what are your credentials? What's, the, what's your authority? I, I appreciate you giving me a chance to prove my credibility to the audience. <laughs> I spent the last eight years working for a boutique law firm in Scottsdale, Arizona. Started as a filing clerk, and about four years later, I was working as the firm administrator and marketing, marketing director for that same firm, focused on tax, estate planning, and business transactions. So I've been in the trenches in, in law firms for the better part of a decade. Mm -hmm. And as marketing director for the firm, I attended the store brand workshop back in 2017 or 2018 and implemented the framework for the firm. Over the course of a four-year period, we doubled firm revenue twice. So I guess that means we tripled firm revenue. <laughs> so I would, I would say that from actually learning and applying the framework is why I'm qualified to help others. Nice. So we were talking a little bit before, and we'll just kind of jump right into it. Story brand is is a really powerful framework, but it's primarily focused on conversion. So once someone is aware of you, it helps bring them down that funnel that leads to a sale. But in reality, story brand is is sort of half of that puzzle because I know the work that you do now, you you do work with story brand or you use story brand with your clients, but then you also do like traffic generation strategies. Unpack that a little bit and maybe explain, you know, where where they overlap and and what the what those two pieces of that puzzle are from your perspective. Sure. And and I'd like to give some context to kind of how I ended up here because I think that kind of helps answer, mm. answer the question. When, when we went to implement the store brand framework at, at the firm, what we did is we hired a, a copywriter to write a landing page. And the, the very first question the copywriter asked me was, this is a really good idea, Benji, but how, how are you driving traffic to this landing mm -hmm. page? And I had no idea. <laughs> and so then the next problem to solve once, once we solved, okay, well, we found a framework that converts website visitors into clients or into phone mm -hmm. calls, how do we generate traffic to that page? And so that's where StoryBrand falls short, is mm. it doesn't give you a framework for generating website traffic. And there's primarily two avenues to generate website traffic using, in terms of search engine marketing. You can optimize your, your content to rank organically in the search engine result pages, or you can pay for those first three search listings using Google Ads. Of course, you can also drive traffic through social, but that you know depends on building an audience. And if you do a quick market survey of attorneys, not a whole lot of them have a large social following. Mm -hmm. 
So if you're starting from scratch, you've got you've just got a website, but you basically don't have traffic. You can pay for traffic and it'll start showing up tomorrow potentially, but it you know, if you stop paying, they stop showing up. Ads people also, you know, tend to not click on ads quite as often as they'll click on organic listings. And then if you want to get in the organic listings, that's something that usually takes a bit of time. And and just going back to reiterate, it's it's not that StoryBrand has an idea about how to drive traffic and they're bad at it. It's just it doesn't really cover that area of marketing. The way I think about it is, you know, you don't want to you don't want to spend good money sending good traffic to a website that's not set up to convert, like you said, visitors into phone calls. But you also don't want to spend a whole bunch of time and money implementing StoryBrand on your site if you don't have any traffic. Because, you know, no, no eyeballs means no phone calls, basically. And so it, I, I have seen this pretty consistently across industries where people do the story brand thing and then they don't see a difference in, in terms of revenue. And when you dig in, it's – well, it's just because nobody is actually getting to the site. The site might be great, but if no one's getting there, it's hard for it to prove its worth, I guess. Exactly. You need that opportunity volume. So let's talk – just lawyers in particular, do you feel like, okay, I guess the big question is StoryBrand good for law firms and lawyers and why? <laughs> 100%. And the reason why is so many lawyers are so focused on the authority piece and they're mm. so caught up in the day-to-day -day of servicing clients, getting the client work done that they forget that their counselor is that law. And to be a true counselor, you need the empathy piece. And so StoryBrand allows attorneys to, well, it, it provides them with a framework to, that forces them to use both the empathy piece and the authority piece. So for me, implementing StoryBrand at a law firm has a lot more to do with how lawyers communicate with their clients than just what's on, it's not just about what's on the website, what your website copy says. It's about how mm -hmm. you communicate with your clients and how that permeates throughout your entire firm and your staff so that every interaction you have with them is a consistent message that is infused with empathy. And that's what sets mm -hmm. story brand attorneys apart from non-story brand attorneys. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. I, I also wonder, real estate agents and lawyers just when I think about marketing for those two industries, it's always like the person's face and head is like front and center. You know, you've got a, you've got billboards or park bench or bus, bus benches and things like that. And it's, it's always, you know, sometimes they're pretty well focused on the problem, but I would say that they have a challenge in really like centering themselves as the hero instead of centering their, their clients. What is your advice to, to any lawyer or law firm, how do you help them make that shift from seeing themselves as the hero? And like you mentioned, the authority, like really focusing on how, how good we are and how prestigious or, or whatever it is into thinking about how do we, how do we center the client or, you know, the, the prospect as the hero in, in this push? Well, again, it, it just, it just goes back to empathy and also, also the elements of bringing the, the, the plan it, mm. if, if you clearly communicate the plan in, in a brand script, if you really refine what your language is around that, 
that's where you can kind of make them into the hero by speaking speaking to the aspirational identity of that of that potential client in the third step of your plan is mm-hmm. a really good way to position yourself as the guide and, and not the hero. Mm-hmm. What what kind? There's a lot of different types of lawyers and law firms. What kinds do you typically work with? And are there any are there any types of law firms that you feel like are better suited? Or like if you were going to say, hey, you can you can make a, a lot of money really quick if you would just implement StoryBrand. I don't know, but this is me asking, you know, what's, what are the best use cases in, in the legal space that you've seen for implementing StoryBrand? For speed to lead of impl- implementing StoryBrand and getting leads the fastest, tax attorneys, divorce attorneys, probate, Estate planning is a little bit harder. There's a really long sales cycle. I don't think that is necessarily mm. StoryBrand's fault that it takes longer. Yeah, it's just it requires a lot more back-end marketing automation inf- infrastructure to convert online estate planning leads to paying mm-hmm. clients. Got it. When you're when you're thinking about working with law firms, what's that transition then? So do you do you start with traffic or do you like working on SEO and ads and things like that? Or do you start with messaging? What's What does that process usually look like? And then when does one shift into the other? Or are they really closely interrelated in your mind? I start every engagement with a strategy audit. Mm-hmm. And well, it's, it's a strategy sprint is what it's called. And it basically consists of a technical website quality audit that evaluates the content and the technical aspect of their website. And then also assesses the terrain in terms of what their competition is doing and the Mm -hmm. keyword gap between their current website and their competitors. And then a very very cursory link, link analysis to see how far behind they are in terms of building backlinks to their website to build their, their website authority. So that'll give me a very good idea that gives me an opportunity to investigate the room for opportunity in terms of driving traffic through search engine optimization. But also, it gives me a chance to look at the content on the website and see, okay, does this stand out? How are they positioning themselves? Are, are they using StoryBrand? Are they not? If, they, if they're not, mm-hmm. then I always bring that in as a conversion rate optimization because it's not going to matter, and we already touched on this before. It's not going. If I get you, you know, a thousand additional visitors to your site, it's not going to matter if zero of them convert and call your office to schedule accounts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, ideally, if you, if you are already got a lot of traffic, you've got great opportunity to conversion optimize your website using StoryBrand to better speak to your customers. That's not typically the problem though, one or not not the only problem. Like you said, it's a competitive space typically. So when you're doing that audit, you know, assessing their competition or the the terrain and all that, what what is typical when when you first start working with someone, are they like completely invisible to the internet? Do they have some traffic? What what do you generally see? Most of my most of my clientele is starting. They're basically starting from square one, so they're super super highly experienced at what they do, and they've been doing it for mm-hmm. a really long time, and they've been getting great results for their clients. And because of that, they've been able to survive off of referrals. But mm-hmm. they reach a ceiling with that, and when you're relying on referrals, 
if, for example, if a tax attorney gets all of their referrals from a CPA, well, as mm-hmm. you know, Matt, CPAs have those special times a year where they're not they're not focused <laughs> on giving any, anyone a referral. Well, they're, I, they're focused on. I know this very well. Done. So <laughs> that creates some seasonality, and when you get those referrals, mm-hmm. and so the beauty of of online marketing is it levels the playing field in that you can get a continuous stream of clients, and if you're using uh, search engine optimization, once you've built that that competitive advantage against your your competition with organic rankings, then those clients are coming in consistently. The beauty of paid advertising is that creates a dial where if you have kind of a lull in your referrals, okay, great, turn those paid campaigns on and get some consultations on the calendar. Mm-hmm. What? It, give me like a. I don't know, a, a full timeline. Someone comes in, you said square one. We're not we're basically not getting any leads through our website. Like we we subsist on referrals and all that, but we'd like to build a marketing engine that is a little more consistent. What what kind of timeline would you typically lay out and what are you working at on in sort of the different phases? I would say that three months is a is a pretty solid timeline to set up the foundation for a comprehensive SEO campaign. So that's mm-hmm. that's in terms of, of me doing the strategy audit and then creating a, a content calendar, giving them content briefs so that they know exactly what, what they need to either write themselves or, or hire a, a content writer to write and then getting that posted to the website. Then we can look at doing some link building and things to increase the rankings of that content. Throughout, once we have the initial content posted to the site, then I like to do a blended approach where we're doing, we're not just waiting on the organic content to rank. We are also running paid advertising so that they're getting clients while they're waiting. Mm -hmm. You know, one of my recent... The topics that I've kind of been most interested in, one of the topics I'm most interested in is around budgeting and the cost of marketing for companies. And I think a lot of businesses, they don't know what marketing costs. And so they just kind of come up with an idea in their head of what it should cost. And then they go out and they start looking for it. And they realize, actually, you can buy marketing services at any price point. Uh, you know, there's someone out there selling, you know, $20, dollars a week SEO services on Craigslist or Fiverr, and then there you go to an agency, and it's like eight thousand dollars a month, and and you know everything in between. And so, a lot of times, I, I think business owners, and in, in this case, lawyers, they they just pick something a little bit in in the middle, and they think, and they hope that that's that's pretty good. I like to think, or I like to say, marketing. It's expensive and it's going to cost you either time or it's going to cost you money or it's going to cost you both. So you can figure it out yourself and you can, you know, write articles and you can do like figure out the strategy and all that. But it is, you know, it's not, it's not super cheap. If you were giving advice to a law firm about how to budget for marketing and how to think about like an investment in SEO and in story brand optimization and, and all of that, do you have any guidance for like how, how to set expectations and help them get their head around what kind of costs they should be anticipating? Yeah, so the master formula for me really is lifetime value minus cost per acquisition. 
And you were the one actually who gave me the clearest idea of, of how to explain this to, to attorneys. And that's, you know, you look at your cost per acquisition. So if you know your lifetime value of a client, so for example, if you have a divorce attorney and mm-hmm. his lifetime, you know, the average fees he, he makes on, on the average case, let's just say it's $10,000. Well, somewhere between 6% and 20% of that should be customer acquisition cost. And that has to do with mm-hmm. how much your competitor, how much your competitors are spending, what you're personally comfortable with, and what you, what you, your level of overhead. And so mm-hmm. let's just say it's 20%, that's $2,000 a client. And then how many clients are you looking to add per month? You want five clients per month, that's $10,000 a month. Yeah. One thing I love about story brand, thinking about it, is it's when I hear the word like conversion optimization for websites, a lot of times what I think of is kind of like like hacker type, like life hacks. It's not life hacks, but like business hacks. Like, oh, if you just use this word instead of that word, it's going to get more people to to click on it. And it, it's kind of it comes across actually kind of sleazy. Like, oh, we're just using these these tricks to get people to click. What I love about StoryBrand, though, is it's actually about elevating your brand. So it's not just this like internet clicky, click hacky, whatever stuff. It's it's really like fundamental improvement of your brand and what you're communicating. And so one of the things that I think is really great when people implement StoryBrand it tends to make it easier also to like raise your prices or at least improve the like the expectations of people who are coming through to your site because when you communicate to them really clearly and especially if you add like really great design to a, a messaging a really strong messaged site that expectation of the people who are coming in and setting appointments is a little bit higher and so they're not surprised when your prices are a little bit higher so if you're thinking you know that cost of acquisition man I don't want to add 20% you know to to my marketing budget in order to get more clients I wish I wish I could do it cheaper what I would say is, hey, take that 20% and add it to your fees because it, you're going to be able to justify them more easily when you have a really well-positioned and, and really kind of premium brand that I think you can really get when you go through that story brand process. I agree 100%. Like you said, I think a lot of businesses across all industries, they get so caught up in the cost per acquisition, trying to get that cost per acquisition, mm-hmm. their CPA down. But in reality, they'd be much better off just increasing their customer lifetime value. And yeah. implementing StoryBrand and charging higher prices is definitely one way to do that. Another way is, is cross-selling services. So for mm-hmm. estate planning attorneys, something that I prescribe is use paid advertising to get probate clients in the door. And going through the probate process, administering a loved one's estate is no better field to the fire for someone to consider mm-hmm. doing their own estate plan. Mm-hmm. Because once they go through that probate process, at the end, if you very strategically, at the very end of it, you ask, hey, do you have an estate plan in place? They're, they're going to say no, but I want one because I don't want my kids to have to go through this. Mm-hmm. I love talking with marketers who have a really clear 
vertical niche because that that sort of advice that you're giving there is is coming from a person who obviously knows the details around the business of your customers and you know I work with a lot of accounting firms and so a lot of my knowledge that I've learned from different clients stacks one on top of the other and so then I'm able to apply it more broadly and every all of my other clients end up benefiting from it as well I you know I know there are a lot of generalist marketing firms in the world, you why do you why did you well your background I guess you were you were working in a law firm. You're not a lawyer though. How do you why why do you end up? I'm not I'm not an accountant either, so I don't work with accountants because of my background. But what is it about lawyers that you that you like, or why you know why do you continue to serve lawyers in this field as a marketer? There's a couple reasons. One is they they are true problem solvers. So mm. someone comes in, they have a legal issue. For example, tax attorneys, the client can't sleep at night. They're getting all these letters from the IRS. A lot of times, they're too afraid to even open them. So they'll come in with an unopened mm-hmm. stack of letters. The attorney's going to open those letters. He's going to explain, you know, in layman's terms, what they mean, how serious the situation is, what their options are, and they just get immediate relief. So they, mm-hmm. attorneys get a bad rap sometimes, but they truly are making the world a better place by solving people's legal problems. Another reason is that in terms of, and this is kind of a, this might sound kind of out of left field, but if you think about in terms of like sustainability, a lot of marketers, so for example, if if I was really good at e-commerce, I could help someone sell a a ton of plastic straws on the internet, make a ton of money that Mm -hmm. way. But that's just adding to the, you know, problem we have with, you know, the environment. And so... By helping attorneys, you know, they're providing a service. They're not really, you know, producing all that mm-hmm. much waste, especially if they've gone paperless. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're going to spurk here. I, I think people might have arguments about attorneys. You know, there's all the jokes and things like that. But <laughs> I, I totally understand to an extent, <laughs> the to point an extent. that you're doing. <laughs> yeah. There's, it's it's one of those industries where from the outside, you know, they, they take a lot of flack. But I think that well, you know, it's the same thing in mine. A lot of a lot of folks just assume accountants are like pencil pushers, like boring nerds. But as I've gotten to know folks in that space, the the stereotypes don't don't follow through very clearly in a lot of cases. <laughs> right. There's per, there's attorneys of all different personalities out there. For sure. Let's let's talk specifically about some attorney websites. When you're looking at because you do customer or competitor analysis as well as the clients you work with. What are some of the really common mistakes that you tend to see on websites of attorneys? You you sort of hinted at it before, but making themselves the hero and, and not the guide is pretty common. Poor user interface, poor you know, usability, just using stale language that's filled with legal jargon and, and isn't actually speaking mm. to, to customer pain points. So it's great that people know that you sell estate planning services, but no one's out there trying to buy estate planning services. They're trying to protect their family. So if you speak, if you sell on pain points, you're going to sell a lot more. And mm-hmm. instead of trying to push your, your products and services, is a pretty yeah. common. Are most are most law firms pretty like narrowly defined already? I, I know in some industries, I I find StoryBrand to be even more powerful, the more targeted you can get with your audience. 
when you go in, are are your clients already fairly narrow in who they're going after, or is that part of the process to help them like articulate who their exact ideal client is? They're usually pretty pretty narrow already, just based on their. Like I said, I, I mean, most of my clients have been practicing attorneys for 20, 30 years, and they just need mm-hmm. the, the online presence to match their experience. And yeah. so, so they've really they've specialized already. Exactly. And they know who that client yeah. is. That's great. I, from a marketer's standpoint, I love it when I find clients I. that are that have that. <laughs> That's another advantage to being in in that space. You can do so much more. Whereas if if you have if you're trying to work with a, a generalist company, some of the tactics you have to take are, are just going to be broader and more general, and you're not going to be able to, to know quite as clearly if it's working or not because just the, the nature of the audience that you're trying to reach. What When you're working with clients, what are there things that they have – misunderstandings or misconceptions about when it comes to marketing? What kind of what kind of education do you usually have to do with your clients or, or help them understand before, you know, I don't know, maybe something kind of clicks and then they then they're able to really get it as far as what you're what you're talking about? The the main paradigm shift that I need to create is that they can't just use one off you can't just throw ads in golf directories and and pray that it's going to work that's great for you know general brand awareness if you have the budget to Mm -hmm. be focusing on that but let's start with the traffic that the search engine traffic that proves that Mm -hmm. they're in the market for your products and services so Mm -hmm. really helping them understand that you can put a billboard on the side of the highway and that's great. But wouldn't you rather have that billboard be next to a highway where the only people driving on it are people who are currently shopping for an estate plan mm-hmm. or are currently searching for a tax attorney? That billboard would be worth so much more. And that's what I'm offering, except for it's not a billboard. It's a three inch by one inch square on someone's computer screen. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's not a highway. It's they're scrolling across the search engine results page. And once that kind of clicks for them, they see, okay, I see why this is really powerful, and maybe we should re- reallocate our, our marketing dollars to, to focus on some of this. Yeah, that's. I don't. I don't know if it's across the board, but I. One of the things, just in terms of lawyers, I think there's there's a lot of opportunity for on on like the demand capture side. So there are there are plenty. And you can probably figure out pretty easily how many people are searching for your services because it's they tend to be pretty specific search terms. And you can find out, is there opportunity there? I always like to think of it as, you know, there's a certain people who are already in market. They're, they're aware. They have a problem. They have those pain points. They're looking for a solution. And you just need to show up better. And so, you know, when you talk about you know, generating traffic, really what you're doing, it's capturing demand and traffic that's already out there. It's going to other places. It's not going to your website yet, but it's, it's there and there's opportunity. As long as there's, you know, there's a big pool of people who are looking for your services, all you have to do is, is get in front of them. And that, and that's great. Um, 
I know that there are other, and I'm sure there are certain types of lawyers. You mentioned the longer sales cycle for, for types of firms where you need to do more of the education to make them aware of the problem and how you know legal services might help them get what they want. What are some of the are there, there are there types of firms that you would recognize that need to to invest a little bit more on that like educational you know get people aware of their services side of things? Yeah, I would say I would say estate planning definitely is they should have a, a greater focus on content marketing mm-hmm. and email marketing. So there's not as acute of a like I need an estate planner today. It's more like I'll get one eventually, and so you want to help move, like add some of that urgency and move them along that funnel. It, exactly. It, you know, the attorney I used to work for would always say, if if I ask any of my clients, you know, that are you know up there in age, you know, how how long do you think you have left? No matter how old they are, <laughs> sixty years, seventy yeah. years, eighty years, five more years is always mm-hmm. the answer. Mm-hmm. So no one wants mm-hmm. to consider their own mortality, and yeah. So no one, unless they're thinking about, oh, well, I need to protect my family or my wealth or mm-hmm. something like that, there, there really isn't an inciting event. And so I like to start with the practice areas where there is an inciting event because that means mm-hmm. there's a shorter sales cycle. So by inciting event, I mean tax attorneys, they get, their client gets the letter from the IRS. And that freaks sure. them out. And then they go on the internet and they need to find an attorney. They need to find an attorney right now. Whereas estate mm-hmm. planning is kind of this, maybe they met up with their family for Thanksgiving and they're up there in age or, you know, they got, mm-hmm. you know, their blood pressure's higher this year than it was last year. So they start to think, hey, maybe I should do something to protect my loved ones. Mm-hmm. So, but it's not nearly yeah. as urgent as, you know, a letter from <laughs> it it makes me think, you know, in in, in StoryBrand, we, we talk about the stakes, right? Like you're trying to find and articulate what the stakes are. For estate planning, you gotta you have to think about that carefully because you don't want to get too dark. Oh, exactly. Right? Like you don't. You can't <laughs> because say, you are talking about things well, people are exactly. Uncomfortable and with. <laughs> you, I think it's like a like a marketing no no. It's like to use the word death right. in your marketing. No, right. You don't want to do that. Uh, but it's inevitable with estate planning, so you need to. Find a way to, mm-hmm. to hint at it or say it without explicitly saying it. And that's yeah, a, well, a tough balance to strike. <laughs> and that's why, you know, one of the areas that I think people sometimes struggle with with, with implementing StoryBrand is they, they read the book or they listen to the podcast and they're, they're really convinced, oh, this is, this is so great. And then they try to do it themselves. And it, it turns out, actually, it's kind of complicated. And part of that is, A, you're really close to your business. And so some of the things that just seem so obvious in the book when you try to do them for your business and you realize there's not a direct example from the Building a Story Brand book for, for what you do, it can be a little harder to translate that than you realize. Two, just, you know, you haven't done it a bunch of times. And so I I would say about Probably about 50% of my clients who come to me who have already been aware of StoryBrand have tried to do some of the work themselves. But then when they go through the process of working with a StoryBrand guide to help them do that, they're able to get it so much closer to what they actually want and, and something that they're really happy with. I'm going to use that as like a jumping off point. How many, what percentage of your clients already know about StoryBrand when they start working with you versus how many who aren't? And and then I guess for those who aren't aware of StoryBrand, how do you how do you approach working with those folks? Do you try to educate them on the framework, or do you just kind of use it as a tool, and they're 
they're none the wiser. They just are happy with the end product. <laughs> right. I, I, I would say it's half and half as far as who's aware of StoryBrand and who's not. If I think that they could benefit from redoing their, their website copy, then I introduce mm-hmm. the tool. And I, I, I really like StoryBrand for the, for the reason that there's actual data to support that it works. Because attorneys are mm. skeptical, mm. especially of marketers. Because if they attorneys be. who have been practicing <laughs> for 30 years, they've hired agencies and they've gotten burned way too many times. Mm-hmm. And so what I like about StoryBrand is it appeals to attorneys because I can say that, you know, J.J. Peterson got his doctorate at Regent University. And there's a study that shows the more an organization in, implements the StoryBrand framework, the greater profitability they experience. And then there's, you know, other ancillary benefits as well that he goes through in the study. But I mean, the bottom line is it works and there's data to support that it works and attorneys really appreciate that. Yeah. There's probably not too many industries where like white papers and like academic documents and things are not intimidating. But I bet if you're a lawyer, like that kind of stuff is pretty convincing and <laughs> the, the sort of, you're they used love to it. They want to see that documentation. They want to see the evidence. <laughs> Even like what, what yeah. your clients tell you, it's always, that's, you know, it's really good to have that background, but get, give me the documentation because I need to prove this. Yeah. And so it's the same thing. Where, where do you think marketing is going for lawyers? In I, I mean, this is probably a bigger conversation than we have time for today, but there, we're, we're talking in end of March in 2023. And so AI tools and some of these other things are really kind of coming on the scene in, in a really big way and everything seems to be accelerating. But in terms of the, the folks that you work with, where do you see marketing going in the next few years for law firms and, and how they need to be thinking about their approach to marketing? I would say personalized content creation that actually differentiates your point of view on important mm. legal issues related to your areas of practice is going to be huge over the next few years, especially with the introduction of, of ChatGPT and all these AI tools. I think what's going to happen is if if people stop using search engines, for example, mm-hmm. for these top of funnel queries, so I'm talking about like, how do I, what's the difference between a trust and a will? Mm-hmm. You want your opinion to be considered by the learning language models that are generating the response. And the only way your opinion is going to be considered is if it's different than the consensus. Otherwise, it's just going to give a general answer. That doesn't mean that you need to be different just for the sake of showing up. Uh, But the more (laughs) specialized you are, the more authentic you are in, in communicating a unique point of view. I think those are the attorneys who are going to win. Also, not from a marketing standpoint, but just a business operations standpoint, the attorneys and the firms that embrace artificial intelligence and implementing those into their workflows and realizing that efficiency early and providing a a greater level of service to their clients are going to see themselves win in the marketplace, in my opinion. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a weird time. I I think the that point you make about having a point of view and 
is so important. It, I, it fits within the story brand framework too, right? You're you're there to be the guide. Like your expertise is a major piece of the value that you bring. It's not it's not a commodity. It's not something that anyone can offer. And people like to connect with people, right? Like obviously, you want to know that your that your lawyer can do a good job. But that that personal connection shouldn't be underestimated. And that goes back to what you were talking about empathy. But on the authority side, having a clear point of view and being able to like articulate that perspective in in the marketplace or out in the world can be a huge advantage. And so you don't want to just completely outsource your expertise to SEO or to to ChatGPT and think, you know, oh, I don't have to I don't have to think about this anymore. I can just ask ChatGPT to generate these SEO articles and and things like that. You really still want to be incorporating your particular point of view and expertise in that process. It, you just can't, you can't outsource that. You can't outsource your guidedness completely to these sorts of tools. Right. And it's just that it's a tool. So the tool can't do the job for mm -hmm. you. You can leverage the tool to do, to do the job better and faster. Um, mm -hmm. But you still need to be guiding it and you need to be, you know, putting the, the final touches on, on whatever. Well, I'm kind of out of questions. Is there anything that we haven't talked about today? Just when you're thinking about marketing for for the clients you work with, for lawyers that they really need to be paying attention to and, and think about anything we missed? I would just say that in general, far too many attorneys are re just relying on, on referrals and it's worked out for them so far. But if your revenue mm -hmm. levels are stagnant and you're not marketing yourself online, it's, it's not optional. And the further along we get yeah. with technology, it, that fact is just going to become more and more apparent. And like you said before, on the search engines, your competition is showing up there. So if you're not showing up there, that's yeah. a problem because mm -hmm. they're getting the clients and you aren't. And especially the, like I said, you know, I, I usually work with highly experienced attorneys where their, their online presence just doesn't match. Uh, in my opinion, that's that's a travesty because that means that these newer attorneys who are younger and more experienced with technology are getting the clients, but they're not servicing them on the same level. And so it's yeah. just bad for it's bad for the clients and it, it's bad for the attorneys when they're on when their online presence doesn't match their expertise level. Yeah, and, and marketing, it's not its not a light switch, right? You can't just flip it on. I mean, even if you turned around tomorrow and started running a bunch of Google ads, if you haven't done the work to clarify your messaging and have that showing up on your website, those ads aren't going to be as effective. It's going to cost more. They're not going to convert. You're going to be frustrated with that marketing, and you're going to think it's a waste of time. And it, in a lot of cases, it is if you haven't done that other work of, of getting your messaging clear on your website. So even if you're, I mean, if your business is healthy right now, like do the work to future proof it by getting that messaging right and building that marketing engine so that when you need it, it's available. I'm not sure how much it affected attorneys, but you know, there's so many businesses that didn't have that marketing engine ready to go when COVID hit. And they had just, they had something that was working for them, but all of a sudden the world changed and it no longer worked. But those who had a strong email list or a, a marketing 
program that they could, you know, ex- they could add, you know, spend more money on or, or, you know, accelerate, were able to weather that and get those clients from other places a lot easier than the ones who had to start in March of 2020. And that was the point that they had to, you know, begin their marketing journey. Yeah, no, I, I definitely saw that happen with a couple of firms in, in my area where they just weren't, weren't ready when COVID hit. In terms of both, mm-hmm. you know, they weren't marketing themselves online, so their referrals dried up, but also just having their resources, you know, not even on the cloud, on actual servers mm-hmm. that they couldn't access remotely. <laughs> so, yeah. so the, I mean, the legal industry historically has been slow to move. I, mm-hmm. And I'm not sure how much that'll change, but the ones who move first are the ones who will be successful, especially as the technology advances. You know, one thing that... I, yeah. Didn't, you asked, you know, what we haven't covered that I'd like to is implementing the story brand framework really helps you teach your staff how to communicate with clients. Mm. And that's a huge, huge value add because even if, even if you are relying on referrals, they're still going to call your office. And yeah, that first conversation is the first impression <laughs> you have with that client. Yeah. And if that's fumbled, then it's a rocky start. And for you to win that client, that's an uphill battle. But if it's smooth, Mm -hmm. if it's consistent, if the language on your website is consistent to the language they're um, using on the phone call, the language you're using in your initial consultation, that's going to make all the difference. Yeah. Uh, story brand is, it's kind of like a Trojan horse, but in, in a good way. Like it, you think that you're implementing it to improve your marketing, but going through that process of figuring out how to message, like position and message your, your company has so many other benefits, including like understanding your own business model more, understand like being able to hand off kind of talking points or, or like a one-liner to your team or other people like your referral partners and things like that in a way that just really helps clarify so many other things beyond what you think of as like website conversions and other traditional marketing pieces. So I, I can't I can't tell you how many times I've had conversations with business owners about you know, working on their brand script for their story brand brand script, that it's then impacted the way they actually deliver services or the even some of the business model things in a way that it gives them new ideas and better ways to, to do the actual work that they're providing. So it's a great, yeah, like I said, it's like a tro- Trojan horse of, of business improvement sometimes. Right, definitely. Exactly what you said about uh, like service design. So, I mean, story brand forces you to define the customer want. And then also define mm-hmm. what their aspirational identity is. So if you look at your if you look at your service, and you compare it to the aspirational identity and the main character want, that's you can sort of get at their dream outcome. And so Alex Ormosi has that book, Hundred Million Dollar Offers, where mm-hmm. to design your offer, you basically need to know what the dream outcome is, and then you define all the problems that yeah. can get in the way of them, you know, achieving that, and then you reverse engineer what your service needs to do. And so StoryBrain is a framework that allows you to get inside the, the mind of your customer and figure out exactly what that is. And so it allows you to engineer a more effective service and, and deliver the same. Yeah. Well, Benji, how can people find you? Where should they connect with you? And if someone was interested in working with you, what, what do you, how would they, 
How would they start? What, where do you start? Yeah, so simply go to BenjiAlbrecht.com. That's B-E-N-J-I-A-L-B-R-E-C-H-T.com. And if you're interested in SEO specifically, you can scroll about a third of the way down and book a website traffic analysis. And <laughs> on that call, I will compare your current website to three of your competitors, and we will see exactly how much opportunity there is for your firm to get more clients using search engine engine optimization. If you're not sure where you want to start, then just book a discovery call. So in the top right of of my website, just book a call in there and I'll help you figure it out. And you're pretty active on LinkedIn as well, right? I am. Should probably follow you there. Absolutely. So Benji Albrecht on LinkedIn. I share content a few times a week and I try to engage with all of my followers. Very good. Well, thank you for being on here today. Like I said, I love talking to people who have that nice, clear niche. I know you, you work with lawyers. I work mostly with accountants, but there's so much similarities in terms of how you, you approach, how you serve your clients. That's a great conversation. Yeah. Thank, th- thank you so any, much. Any uh, last thoughts? <laughs> thank you so much for having me, Matt. And uh, thanks for you know, structuring the conversation and asking me the right questions. I can tell you've done this before and I appreciate everything you do. Yeah, very good. Well, this has been the Words First podcast. Like and subscribe on whatever platform you listen to the podcast on and share this one specifically with all of your lawyer friends because they really need to hear it. At least that's my opinion. 